0: This is a Podcat Nation production. Hello and welcome to Buff Wild, a podcast where we've now established that Giles fucks. Uh, I am your host, Olivia, and today I am joined by my friend Eric, who may not have recovered from Giles fucks. I, I have
1: rarely, rec- I, it's been like 20 years and I have not recovered from the fact that Giles fucks. Right. It's, Giles um, fucks hard, Giles- real hard.
0: Giles gets it.
1: Giles gets it wet. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do we make merch that's just Giles gets it wet, Giles and gets then it wet? we get sued by Disney, who now uh, owns Buffy? That,
1: or you can get like an animated version of Giles that's just soaked, Ooh. just like soaked. Like uh, I like I don't that. Know, like what are those? Um, or you can you can have a a, a compilation that's just um, what are those TikToks where like you look at something and then it cuts to someone they're just like drenched in sweat. <laughs> Because they're they're that wet. You just said that, but it's a clip of Giles being like, "Hello, I found my recent volume in the like, about the, uh, oh the uh, the cult of uh, Aurelius," and then it just cuts to you being like soaked. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have the cult of Aurelius? That was terrible. <laughs> I
0: liked it. I kind of like the idea of like a New Yorker style like old British man like mm-hmm. cartoon but like soaking wet
1: just soaking wet and then it reads over it gets it wet yeah
0: and i'm like really really Mm. because this is just an old british man whom you definitely implied giles to be he just got caught in the rain (laughs) (laughs) it's also i don't know his name's henry it's fine it's not henry it's not it's Rupert. it's
1: rupert it's rupert giles
0: um it took me a rewatch of this to realize that his first name is not giles
1: It is not Giles. It is his last name.
0: Which also kind of gives me like a weird... level just a level of discomfort of like why did these children immediately just be like sup giles and he was like that's mr giles to you like where was that conversation
1: well i feel like the uh, the Cali- the california style thing immediately uh, dismissed rupert as an option of something that they could refer to a human being without snorting every single time <laughs> so they had to go with giles it's also a very weed esque like wacky names that right. are weird like wash or which is that's firefly um or you know, like buffy
0: right i guess they had to make him kind of casual as well and to
1: it's not Al- they don't call him alex they call him Xander. Ugh, like I sure they, do. it has to be noticeable first person unconventional names
0: i feel like i would have less contempt contempt for Xander mm-hmm. if they just called him alex or alexander
1: i guess so i feel like um Zend, my contempt for Z- it would be different though because if we call him Alex, it would just be like he would just disappear. He would. Alex is the name of one of the like the high school nobodies that is a B character in an episode that gets killed by the monster yes. for plot purposes. Whereas Xander is the name of a person that you remember, whether you want to or not. Also true.
0: Xander is the name of a character who you would hope has a redemption arc, but like I've yet to see it. Uh, I mean, like it—it
1: it doesn't get there in the series, and Xander is a really weird character to watch now. Yes, after a lot of uh, a lot of uh, evolution of, uh, I guess, perspectives about Buffy as well as feminism and the treatment of women. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes especially the earlier seasons really hard to watch yeah. because there's this really weird mixed framing i have a lot of thoughts about xander in this episode even though he's in it for like 20 seconds i can save them for later but uh needless to say xander's framing in buffy is fascinating to me the choice to because he's like the butt of the joke most of the time yeah but ultimately it kind of endorses his point anyways i have thoughts about uh xander's brief appearance in this episode oh bless i also want to say um uh as a I don't know if thank you is right or mm. or uh or if it's a read, I don't know which one, but you gave me the episode that is shoved right between the she mantis <laughs> and the hyena cult, <laughs> <laughs> which are the two what the hell oh yeah, season one episodes the most like what the hell is going on and they're also very xander centric, so yes. I appreciate that you gave me one that was not xander centric at all,
0: of course I not a secret now i also have feelings on xander this felt more appropriate for you and i thank you i appreciate this This is a little more subtle
1: i have a lot of things to say about young eric watching buffy and uh an episode that is primarily about boys versus duty and dating
0: i thought you might uh you've watched you've watched buffy before did you watch it when it was originally on the air
1: I started watching it during season six when it was originally on the air on the sci-fi channel, I think is what it was called at the time, back in like 2002, 2003. Um, and I remember, like I very strongly remember the day that the final episode was airing mm. where they did several weeks of just every single episode of Buffy, all like all in a row, all the way. And I remember like, Because I wasn't allowed, I was a child and it was coming on a weekday, so I wasn't allowed to watch television during the week. Oh, yeah. But there was a brief like hour and a half after school was done when I would get home and the house would be empty. So I would sneak into the, I would sneak into the television room and watch TV while my parents weren't home yet without telling them, just being like, ooh, I'm being bad and watching Buffy. (laughs) And then as soon as they got home, immediately turn off the television. I like
0: specifically that it was Buffy that you were watching while you were being bad too. Oh, yeah. Which just adds to it.
1: Oh yeah. And like I couldn't tell anyone because Buffy was kind of a girl show Mm -hmm. when in 2003 like in the complicated nebulous idea of gendering television Mm -hmm. in 2003 with my weird very closeted self being like no one can know that I watched the show about girls but my best friend at the time or one of my one of my like long distance best friend Philip loved the show and showed it to me and it was like oh, I can like this. Oh, it's okay to just like this. Okay, sure. I guess I'll just like this. And then no one else talked to me about Buffy in all of my high school. So I would like just watch Buffy in secret. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I feel like Buffy is, yes, definitely exists in that age of like highly gendered television where maybe that was like, I can't talk about this. But also even if you had like the parents who were like, it's okay. We love you for who you are. Baby girl, you do whatever. Buffy was still a volatile enough program. That if they were like, your parents were like, it's totally fine, whatever. What the fuck is this? (laughs) Why is everybody dead? Why is that old British man just getting it wet? What's happening? Yeah,
1: that like a British man that fucks, everyone is depressed, sad, and so many people are dying casually. Mm -hmm. It's a wild tone of just like, it's a girl's show that you would watch the spooky episodes up to get scared the shit out of yeah. watching it it's like you know about high school boy drama but also is about monsters that murder people in horrific ways Yes, truly horrific ways too. truly horrific ways this is a suspiciously monster free episode as well mm-hmm. i find it i find it interesting
0: i will say i like the ongoing discussion on buff Wild this week um Episodes three and four, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that it is, like, the first episodes of a new show that's developing its tone and has this, like, empire that's followed it. Not a lot of vampires in the first couple episodes.
1: No. Vampires are suspiciously... I don't know, like, the word isn't absent, but for a show that's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like, specifically focusing on that, which could just be reticent from the movie that it was based off of, um, vampires are only really, like scary and threatening and bad for the first season Mm -hmm. where you have the master the like the big vampire yes and then you have the reappearance of in season seven of like these uber vamps Mm -hmm. um which i don't know if you've watched it yet but there's like the they're like these cavemen prehistoric vampires that are supposed to be super powerful and super scary um and that's the only really time real time that vampires are super scary yeah there's like there's there's arc there's like big villains in season two that are vampires but their focus isn't how like vampires are super threatening they're trying to summon something else in order to stir up trouble Mm -hmm. and other than that vampires as themselves are never really treated as the primary threat other than in this season
0: truly you watched Community, right?
1: I have not watched Community, or not a lot of it. I've seen the like the choice good episodes from the early seasons, but not a lot of it.
0: Okay. But you can
1: describe things to me.
0: Thank you. So it's like, oh, I just want to keep going on this analogy. You could see it in my face. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an episode in the first season where, I assume it's the first season, Abed is really into a movie he finds called Kick Puncher, which is like a C-list action movie from the 80s, and it's like really bad CGI, and he's obsessed with it, and he like basically recreates it but does like a parody version called punch kicker or something and it's like an action fight scene and it's him playing all of his adversaries as well but it's just like him in really really uncomfortably community college costumes and him popping up like and just getting kicked or punched whichever they landed on and that's kind of what the vampires feel like for the rest of the series yes just man
1: <laughs> and they're they're often the butts of the jokes like they're <gasps> always talked about as like the lowest form of evil and they're like these like usually pretty useless goons that like kind of stir up trouble and there's a couple of very qualified vampires but they uh, their threat is kind of like nebulous and it kind of disappears that's a weird tension in season 2 where the, like the big bads are mm-hmm. all vampires and you kind of have this feeling of like why are they threatening and you have to eventually get to like reasons why they're actually threatening that because you've watched season two yeah so like spike in season two has to be like this horrifying he's killed slayers before or when angel becomes angelus it's like he's a horrific monster Mm. that torments people and goes to this extra pleasure but otherwise vampires in and of themselves are not usually that threatening which is weird because in this episode it's like an evil vampire named the anointed one will appear and it's this weird religious goon on a bus but it's a fake out and it turns out to be this child that you never really know what the child's powers are or why the child right. is evil he just looks like damien from the omen evil and yes. you just project all the ideas or make up the ideas as to how he could be powerful and evil but Wait, you never i'm really also know.
0: trying to remember because i haven't watched his final episodes for a while. I don't think we get like a lot of example of his power. He's just there and he's like, I'm special. Yep,
1: just there, special looking, sinister. Um, also, the master is wondrously gay.
0: Oh my God, yes.
1: Wondrously gay. Like, a, just a beautiful, campy, gay villain. I forget, there's a great line in this episode where he's like trying to be menacing and then he just goes, bug. bug. And just like snatches a bug. I'm mean, just like, that's... <laughs> right beautiful beautiful
0: outstanding i know this isn't true but in my head i like to think that stephanie Myers, like watched the first season of buffy was like yeah great i'm sure she didn't because of reasons Mm. but then got into season two and was like what the fuck is this (laughs) and that inspired her to have her like weird explanation of vampires or apex predators she's like taking it back
1: taking it back well i mean like everyone saw david boreanis being very pretty as the like don't come near me. I'm too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a weird thing to say about sexuality. Angel's whole arc, and especially in season two, is a weird thing to say about sexuality. Joss Whedon, but yeah. but like you can see the influences of like vampires are beautiful creatures that are tempting, but like have a ethic like feeling that they. It's all very Christian. It's very we have yeah. this internal badness about ourselves that we need to suppress and overcome in order to be ethical as opposed to being like true to ourselves it's very strange it's a very it's, it's, true. it's an it's a it's an understandable choice from a mormon mom who wanted to write a sex fantasy about vampires to have also like, true mm, mm, i'm you're bad and you can't do this but also i want you because you do this <laughs> drain me david <laughs> uh, it sounded like more rose for a second <laughs> <laughs> hello David, me, David, David, can you uh, drain some of my blood, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Also, real quick, what are your thoughts on Angel as a character? As a character, yeah. I mean, my thoughts on Angel are always going to be complicated because David Boreanaz was a sexual awakening for me. Fair. Um, so I'm not going to ever be objective about it. I think it's a he's a really good version of an now overly done trope of the like the moody dark boyfriend that needs to do dark things, but you feel Mm -hmm. compelled to follow him. I, um, I think the ending of season two, that culmination is so tragic Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think it's really, it's a really compelling like way to end it. It was interesting watching this episode because, um, you forget, especially me being more familiar with the latter seasons, you forget that there was a time in which it wasn't like Buffy and Angel being obsessed with each other, mm-hmm. that the, he's just this weird, hot dude that shows up sometimes and is just like, is mysterious and is like, you got to do something about the master, Buffy. And then she's like, right. who are you? What is this? And he's
0: like, I won't tell you. She just asked for like a way to contact him. And he's like, shh, he's like, shh. No. No, 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 no,
1: don't do it. Just gonna be mysterious in my overly lavish mansion, which he right. <laughs> it's a suspiciously fine house that he owns in season two. Right. Um I really like Angel as a character in that I find his motivations kinda compelling. He's like it's uh finding a way to especially in his spin-off series, finding a way to coexist with this morose shame that he has about his former life and who he is, but also the thing that gives him like this shame and this negligence is also the source of his power. Like being a vampire is what gave him strength, gave him long life and the ability to be wise, learn about things. And that's what makes him, that's what gives him the ability to do what he wants. And so I think that conflict is really compelling and interesting. Um, In terms of like aesthetics, he's very kind of bland in the Mm -hmm. long run. Like he wears a tank top and a leather jacket yeah. Yeah, which you know, for 13-year-old Eric, that did the trick. That oh, yeah. did the trick. But in the in the like the larger it's harder to sell like here's this picture of some dude which just looks now would you would never see a dude look like that now because no dude would wax that much, but it just looks like here's some dude, but he's actually really really interesting. And that was actually when I was younger, I didn't watch Angel because I was like, he's hot, but I'm not really interested in watching the show. I want to watch this one about Buffy. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until later when I watched Angel, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. This is some things to say. And it's like, especially the inclusion of Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Um, And this episode has some interesting things to, interesting way of characterizing Cordelia. Yeah, Cordelia,
0: there. they really, really make you question whether or not you want to like her. But like, if you stick with it, it pays off. Um, I think with Angel is that now rewatching the series and having an idea of like how big his character is doesn't show up a lot in the first half of season one.
1: Oh, not at all. To the point
0: where we were uh, we were doing the buff wild episode for episode three, which is in which he doesn't show up at all, and I'm like, this is weird. He needs to be like a background actor or something, just like existing in a scene, just so we know he's there. And I'm like, to the point where. Then you follow that up with the next few episodes, and that's fully what they do. He's just like, he's there for 30 seconds. He gets his acting credit. He gets his, like, SAG credit, and he moves on. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of hilarious. Oh, it's, like, comical how they're like, oh, I guess we need to throw this love interest in,
1: huh? Yeah. And it's like, if you think about the way that the, the if you were watching the show as it was coming out week to week, he would be this kind of compelling, who is this dude, sort of mysterious thing. Especially when the first season was coming out of, like there's got to be some payoff as to who this person is because he just yeah. keeps showing up for an odd number of seconds is mysterious but wise and hot and then disappears which when you look back on it now it's like what the fuck like we know like especially when you have the context of i know who you are mm-hmm. why are you being like this and and it doesn't come off very well it just feels way too it leans really into the heavy trope of the dark evil boyfriend that can't spend time with you trope of just like wants to be mysterious and distant and you can't touch me but touch me (laughs)
0: exactly that Mm -hmm. oh angel should talk about this episode yeah let's talk about this episode
1: (laughs) it's a great title for an episode
0: yes to the point where it's lengthy enough that in my notes, I've just written episode five, "Dead Boys." Dead Boys. Dead <laughs> what is the boys? actual title? Um,
1: of- uh, don't kill a boy on the first date or something like that. If good
0: I advice, good advice. Um, after a couple of weird filler episodes in the start of the series, we get vampire attack.
1: Final vamp. Finally, an actual vampire attack. Yeah, not a she mantis. Right, and they immediately pivot to hyena cult in the next episode.
0: <laughs> Truly, we're like boy howdy what an episode that was Mm -hmm. where why did they do that Mm -hmm. but okay um yeah vampire attack which buffy's really succinct with her slayage she calls it her slayage yeah i think she calls it that twice but it really stuck with me um and giles is just like hiding behind a tombstone taking notes he's like i give you a c minus for effectiveness i but do like-
1: love the occasional performance report as if there's like a <laughs> yeah. scale that the watchers council has established of just right. like mm, yeah interesting there's he's some-
0: like we don't have an office so we're going to do this here
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yeah she's within like 30 seconds of an episode of slate of vampire they're chatting about it but like they find a ring
1: yeah they find the ring f- which has a mysterious oh here's something that i found compelling and interesting most yeah. of the uh, most of the future episodes uh buffy is kind of uh dim-witted about, about- figuring yeah. out the mystery like she's mostly just like cool i've got the big arms i've got this other conflict going on i'm not the books person but she's suspiciously on top of things when she's like she's the one who notices the um the insignia for the aurelius cult yes the sun and three stars the sun with three stars underneath it and then later and when they have the the scene in the library she's the one who finds it and like look i did this and there's like a minor amount of like isn't it surprising that buffy noticed this thing in the books but mostly it's like oh she's a competent person who would know how to do these things
0: right buffy is like the token for like millennials quote-unquote gifted kid who now we just know has adhd (laughs) who's like really skilled and talented and like very intelligent but just like oh maybe if she just applied herself no maybe if you know maybe if other things maybe if other things maybe if other things maybe if
1: neuroatypical,
0: right i wanted to become canon on buff wild that buffy just has like really bad adhd that's undiagnosed (laughs) because she has no present parental figure in her life who's like I think my kid needs some extra assistance, which
1: provides an am- an amazing amount of uh, challenge. When in later season, she has to run the house and mm-hmm. also has to like like be a full adult by yes. twenty one.
0: Right? She's like, I guess I am raising this child. Yeah. All right, Michelle Trashenberg, <laughs> let's <laughs> teach you how to do long division. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, woof. Yeah woof um yes they find a ring and then we immediately cut to our iconic gay villain of the master who's got found this book and he's like check out my aesthetic leather book all
1: all these like weird go-to like semi-biblical sounding prophetic books that all have the like it's total. this tomb is totally there, guys. This tome is totally there. It's always been here. This prophecy's always been happening. It's not just a convenient plot device we've used in order to make this episode happen. What? But here's this prophecy about how the anointed one will arrive with the murder of five or something like that.
0: Ooh, I have written down some things because they were so specific. Also just real quick, this castle that is supposed to be so sinister looks like it's made of plastic. Oh, it is absolutely time.
1: a weird bad sound stage that it's looks like it's mostly made of styrofoam.
0: Hilarious. It looks like a weird like late night muppet set.
1: Which think about the acting gig for the master having to have spent oh. all of his time in that season just like walking around be sinister, wear too much makeup, be kind of gay. Right?
0: Imagine the like casting call for that yeah,
1: an absolute sassy bitch
0: truly so we've got this prophecy of the slayer will not stop him he will lead her into hell five shall die from ashes the anointed shall rise I'm like Ooh. sinister spooky right nobody in the series believes in free will it's all
1: prophecy it's all prophecy
0: yeah um we cut back to the library because again the first season we get a lot of just like aggressive cutscenes where it's like we're here we're here we're here we're here we're here. We're here. We're here, mm-hmm. um yeah, and Buffy's on top of it. She's like, "Look, I'm really hyper effective right now. I find this I found this Sun and three stars logo, my lesbians. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I choose to believe that a lot of like queer afab folk watch this on its first run, and they're like, I know it's evil and everything, but like, check out that sun and three check stars out that <laughs> sun and three stars. How many of those tattoos exist on people from that era? Oh,
1: absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We want every piece of insignia on our bodies from that. Exactly.
0: Um, And then we get Owen.
1: Owen. I have some thoughts about Owen. I have
0: a lot of thoughts about Owen. (laughs) So
1: Owen is the sensitive Emily Dickinson reading hottie who shows up and is kind of fumbly and awkward, but is interested in Buffy. Mm -hmm. And they usually play the tension of Buffy is interested in someone and the guy is super confident and not interested. Mm-hmm. Um and I have some thoughts about Owen mostly Owen is a sensitive poetry reading hot awkward dude In my yeah. high school experience which is not the high school spe- experience but a high school experience I have never met someone who is sensitive likes poetry hot and popular You can be some combination of those four things, but you are never all four at once. I was like, who is this? Who is this poetry reading hot motherfucker who shows up and is fumbly and charming and then really wants
0: to? Please know that that as a high school poetry kid, Owen comes on the screen and was like, I hate him. I hate him so much it's,
1: yeah like you he couldn't be like you wouldn't be hot and into poetry in high school right like you could be in secret but you wouldn't be like you wouldn't be known as the hot poetry guy
0: to the point where I just I would like if we could re- just refer to Owen as Emily Dickinson from here on out <laughs> Emily Dickinson
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Buffy and Emily Bucking, Dickinson
1: uh, I love the, I also love the Emily Dickens line where oh my god like, yeah, Emily Dickens, she's great too Dickinson. <laughs>
0: Him too. (laughs) So painful. My big thing with Owen is like very aggressively. He's like, I found a girl. She likes books. Apparently that's not a thing here. So I'm just going to latch on to her. Despite the fact that we've had no contact up until I found her in the library. And then just negs her every time they talk. (laughs) Like fully just tells her, it seems like you're dumb. Like seven times in the episode. (laughs) It's... It's so painful. He's like, I didn't think I'd find you in the library. Yeah, I didn't think you'd know how to read, you simple bitch. Like, it's quite, it gets heavy-handed.
1: It's a very, but it's a very, that's a very sensitive dude kind of way. Like, the Mm -hmm. the sensitive dude archetype is very, I'm like, uh, like Angel again, I'm beautiful, I'm mysterious, don't touch me. But also, like, you see, and and like, very neggy, very, like, oh, you know things? Wow. And it's such a projection of, <laughs> of just kind of like, I got to project my own insecurities onto this person who clearly couldn't possibly know things and is just interested in me because they're interested in me. They have to be interested in me because I'm sensitive and beautiful. Exactly. Yeah.
0: There's a strong energy of I'm an outsider. I've been told I'm an outsider. I'm the only one who knows about
1: my interests. Which is so strange because he's not an and maybe no. I I don't know. I when I first watched it just recently, I characterized Owen as inaccurate because I'm like, Why is he a hot? popular dude like that this is not the kind of character that would be like this
0: because everybody's thirsty for owen
1: yeah but every yeah cordelia's super thirsty for owen (sighs) willow goes on about how he's this super haughty like what's oh that's a really good line i once saw him brood for 40 minutes straight (laughs) (laughs) which like it's interesting it's interesting to me because the first season is so campy you would think that it would be much more on the nose with the portrayal of that kind of person and he just looks like some guy wearing whatever clothing who happens to be super into emily dickinson
0: my read on owen is that i don't know like maybe he plays football or something as well and they're like Owen, oh, you got to get your grades up if you want to keep playing football and he's like fine i guess i'll apply myself in english and then he goes to english he's like i'm gonna listen today and they talked about emily dickinson he's like oh my god mm,
1: maybe
0: murder maybe this is good and then like doesn't know any other authors or poets he's just like have you heard of emily, <laughs> emily dickinson,
1: dickinson.
0: <laughs> uh you want to yeah i really like uh Yates's work no no i don't know her i don't know her talk to me about emily dickinson, yeah. talk about emily dickinson. <laughs> is the energy i get because it's like definitely like is a weird it's kind of i feel like owen's interest in poetry is kind of like somebody's obtuse hat mm. where it's like there are many things about me but have you seen my hat <laughs> you know because it doesn't fit with everything else mm. But we get this entire mating ritual between Owen and Buffy to the point where i've just written here buffy wants some fuck.
1: She does. She's ready this to the, go. This is like
0: M-rated episode of Buff Wild. She is
1: ready to <laughs> go, very ready to go. It's yeah. yeah, it is a suspiciously horny show considering how PG-13 it is. It is Truly. a very horny show. These kids right. really There's want it. There's a to lot go. of yearning. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of yearning. Willow's very impressed that Owen and Buffy have connected and describes him as sensitive yet manly.
1: Sensitive yet To which manly. I replied, <laughs> Christ. Solitary. Um, mysterious. To be re- fair, to be fair, I also have to confess if I was in high school and Owen, the character actually existed. Yeah. My gay ass would have been obsessed with him. Oh, 100%. Absolutely obsessed.
0: Yeah. Been like, I'm interested. I don't know why, but we're here. Uh, I think we got to the cafeteria where Buffy and Owen talk again and Cordelia appears who also wants some fuck. Yeah. We get some real weird body shaming from both of them. Yeah.
1: But yeah, the show in general has some weird hangups about fat people. Um, Yeah. It has some weird fat phobia shit that I don't quite know why they included it. It feels just more like typical of the period than it does hang-ups though it's usually Buffy like because mm-hmm. Buffy quite often says is has a few contradicting moments like in the uh she asks someone does this does this make me look fat
0: it's a very weird throwaway line where I was like is she trying to make him uncomfortable nope that's nope, a cool. sincere question okay.
1: and then great of course then she shades Cordelia when she uh bumps into her in this Owen Cordelia interchange and says hey uh I didn't realize your hips were so big but then later at the bronze says, Make sure you get me something fattening. Yeah. It's it's she's a weird relationship with uh fat in this in this series that I don't quite know how to describe.
0: I almost wonder if it's Joss Wheaton trying to write this powerful female character, but as a young woman he's like, I don't know, what a young girl's like
1: diets i mean it's it's pretty like a uh, reflective again of the time period like mm-hmm. the 90s and the 2000s were the era of oh yeah fat shaming and 80s of, and 90s and,
0: of diet culture yeah and diet
1: culture and like, taking speed model, for model medical bodies, reasons
0: quote unquote
1: yeah, and shit like that so like it makes sense to me that that would be an obsession but it's weird that he throws that he uses that to sprinkle like Buffy isn't just like a cool chosen one. She's also a teenage girl, which is like yeah. the main tension of the entire first season. And of this episode in particular is all about is, does Buffy choose duty or does she choose dates? Is she supposed mm-hmm. to be the slayer? Or does she want boys? Um, right. And that tension is what compels us or is the cell. And it's weird that he chooses to, quant- to like uh, qualify her teenagehood by being like, she's also obsessed with her body and doesn't want to be fat, which is like, there's other choices you could have made but weird choice i get it but also why do we keep bringing this up
0: exactly also just in terms of a scientific point of view i'm like buffy does like triple the cardio of any like olympic athlete in her vampire slaying. i'm like i feel like her body fat index is low because of just her after school activities oh yeah
1: well and like part of the slayer magic is that is she's supposed to look like a helpless girl but then she has like the superpowers, like they and they. That's like they do that for a lot of puns or like not puns for a lot of uh, gimmicks and gags in the first season. Yeah, like in this episode later, where they're in the funeral home and she's like, "Oh, you just didn't like handle the the door well enough when Owen can't open a locked door," um, and so it's I guess like part of the imagery is that underneath this frail, slim, petite exterior is actually a magnificent superpower.
0: Um, yeah Cordelia is still there just trying to like spray Owen yeah is the energy we get from her this episode I don't
1: like Cordelia in this episode I feel like they didn't I know what either. to do with Cordelia in the first season other than being Buffy's foil in teenage land mm-hmm. which is weird because Cordelia's thing is that she's rich and privileged and gets what she wants and super popular and her going after Owen is weird because it seems oddly vindictive and it doesn't seem like because he's especially like not interested in her at all yeah and that i feel like that would turn cordelia off i feel she'd be like oh you don't care about me fine fuck you i'm going somewhere else where someone can talk about how great i am
0: exactly i am for like the level of arc that we get from cordelia the first half of a season you're like what are we up to it's like in the writer's room they're like so we got to make her likable, and they're like, "Oh, we'll we'll get there at some point."
1: Yeah, they, it it feels like they were they didn't really know what to do with her. Is you just like, yeah, she's the the bad teenager, and that Buffy doesn't like, even though they are the same person.
0: Exactly. We're like, up until this episode, she's comically awful, but this episode, we're just like, what is this? Why did we need Cordelia here at all? Other than just some. Unnecessary conflict.
1: Unnecessary conflict in, and especially like the dumbness of like showing up at the 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 framing of it is really funny because they have this awkward trio where Owen agrees to meet Buffy at the bronze. Yes. Then they go for the long uh Buffy is late to get to the bronze and she's stuck and Giles is wrong about the prophecy. Um, Mm -hmm. oh he brings up in the library around Willow that there's a prophecy that this is going to happen it's in the book the book that was totally there and we knew about all the time and then says no you can't go on this date you have to go with me to the cemetery in order for these people to show up and then they go and nothing happens yeah and so then Buffy shows up to the bronze late and then you have this awkward dance scene with Owen like awkwardly swaying back and forth with like a fawning Cordelia in her arms and he looks so awkward obviously uncomfortable and so he's
0: reciting emily dickinson in his in head, his head sure. he's like he's yeah. like
1: he's just like looking off into the middle distance being like i'm not really here this yes. isn't happening and buffy's response to this is other woman in arms must mean love i'm going to leave even though like the framing is so obviously owen is so clearly uncomfortable being there. oh
0: yeah buffy loves to make assumptions as we see through the entire series she does not stick around for answers she's like okay and then just runs from conflict oh yeah
1: and like immediately kind of puts herself into the victimized i'm hurt it's an interesting thing about her like character if you think of like her like her put uponness as the chosen one yes uh, being like i'm the chosen one dark terrible sad things are happening to me and this is such a one that could have easily been resolved of like if you just go talk to him or conf- or confront him to be like, hey, I'm here. I'm sorry I'm late. He would have been like, oh, cool. Bye, Cordelia. And immediately get right. gone dancing with her, which is what happens later. Yes.
0: And it's weird. Um, If we can jump back yes. to before they go to the bronze, though. So we, yeah, Buffy's told she has to go on this date. Mm-hmm. Or no, not on this date. On this Giles date. The Giles date. Uh, They get into like a big fight about it. In the library, like a you know a child and her father do. As they do, and they're really mad and you know just fighting about it. And she's like, "I have to go to this thing," and he's like, "Yes, the the slaying thing." And she's like, "No, what are you talking about, boys?" <laughs> and he goes, "I'm talking about trouble." And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, "It's the same thing, the picture. same thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing's good. Yeah, the here. same thing. The same. Nothing's thing. good here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they eventually." establish that Buffy's gonna do her duty they go to the graveyard nothing happens she's wearing the most insane jacket I, ha-
1: I have this in my notes is my-
0: it it both looks like very clearly outerwear but is also like a bathrobe that looks like a faux fur tiger yeah print. it's a
1: faux fur tiger print it's that looks a like a fuzzy it looks like it should be a blanket or a towel that they turned yes. into it's very 1999 it's very good
0: it's so much. It's and weird. it has a hood that she then proceeds to put on to go into the bronze. Absolutely. I'm like, really? The, that's the look you were going for for this? She's
1: got a, it's like, it's hot and funky. <laughs>
0: yep. Whatever the uh, hell
1: Buffy is going for. And that is that It's
0: so much. We're like, her style is usually fairly consistent in this episode. She looks really cute in her daytime outfit. She's got this 1960s thing going on. Then this jacket appears.
1: <laughs> I'm just like, oh, we're back in 1999. Oh, here we go. Right. We're back. <laughs>
0: It's outstanding. Giles is mad that Buffy's human. And then we cut to the bus scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, late into the episode, considering we get the threat of the episode of we got this bus. It's creepy. It's got some very, like, 2010 CW crime scene vibe
1: yeah and like the it's a a weird choice of stock character of like ambiguous white dude who says threatening vaguely christian things
0: oh i've described him as evangelical vampire yeah evangelical
1: like weird buff evangelical vampire that's like ready to go a murder in and like saying oddly sinister things and then they have a horrifying crash which i think begins with a vampire standing in front of the bus which yes. then gets hit by the bus yeah is that vampire dead like are we supposed to vampires well because that would be a way like, that he would die but also like
0: <laughs> it both looks like they hit the vampire but then bus driver gets out everybody and the bus is fairly unscathed considering they hit an obstacle in the road yes. gets out of the bus to see if the person he hit is okay it looks like he hit some kind of obstruction in the road like he swerved but we didn't it see swerves that over to
1: the side and then they kind of like Crash, yeah, because
0: then goes to check on vampire and he's like, Hey, buddy, you okay? And he's like, <laughs> Chomp, right? And then the entire bus
1: gets a murder, chomp time gets a murder.
0: Which please know, I watched this, was like, They're gonna start killing children now. Mm. This is clearly what they're up to. Oh, yeah, they love to kill children on this show.
1: They actually, they're they're super into it. They don't usually yeah. show it, but they're super into uh, kids dying. A and lot of the threat of kids dying, yeah, it's an easy way to establish like there's Dominance. there's one point where they literally for arbitrary reasons i think it's in i can't remember if it's in season two or season three um but it's a halloween episode where they have to feed literal babies to uh, a snake demon that lives in the sewers and there's no point in anywhere else in the episode where they bring up babies as part of it there's no plant there's no like babies are so annoying or frustrating it's just suddenly just like oh yeah they eat babies and they're like, what uh, okay sure all right it's babies
0: <laughs> right it's it's a lot and it's awful mm-hmm. i just have written vampire feast
1: there's a big feast in there's a big feast yep. which shows up as five murdered and in... i also love how buffy tries to play dumb when giles brings it up in the newspaper later just being like five murdered she's like yeah there were five people murdered in a Bus thing. That clearly has nothing to do with the five people that would have died in that prophecy we were talking about. Like girl, girl come on.
0: What I like about that is that an entire day goes by before Giles shows up with the newspaper and I'm like, You definitely strike me as the wake up at five and read the paper after doing your like calisthenics and then having a cup of tea and a poached egg. <laughs> like, what were you up to all day? All this day. Is Just now. Like,
1: how am I going to sell this to this girl? How right. Am I going he's to looking make-
0: in the mirror and he's like, savor it, savor it, hold yeah. back. <laughs> Contain the threat. But yeah, Vampire Feast. I think we're back at school. Xander's mad that Buffy's shown interest in another boy who's not him. Yes. He makes a point of telling her that like, he can read too. And I love it. Yep. <laughs> and I love it. Owen shows up and it's just like the two of them in another bizarre mating ritual and Xander the entire time just mugging and being visibly
1: upset. Visibly upset in the corner that sexual attraction that doesn't involve him is happening around him.
0: Buffy gives us some of my favorite dialogue from the episode and that Owen's like, hey, you, uh, you didn't show up last night. And she's like, oh... Um, my, watch, my broke watch broke and we don't have any clocks in our <laughs> house. So I didn't know what time it was or what day it was. And he's like, tell
1: me tell about me. it. And then he gives her his watch, yes. which I don't think she ever gives back to him. I don't think so. Um, That's first now. She melted that down. Is pocket watch? I... It's like a good looking. It's a pocket watch, watch. and I
0: had to zoom in and check a few times. Is like, is that a Christian Dior pocket watch? It is a Charles Dior. Where I'm like, is that another brand that I'm not familiar with the 90s, or that was like a full like Riverdale style knockoff of like, (laughs)
1: Like,
0: vanity flair, you know? Oh my god! (laughs) And he gives her the pocket watch, and Xander's like, what the fuck, and looks at his own watch. It's like a Mickey Mouse plastic Velcro situation.
1: Yeah. Bless i don't know Um, what the show wanted to say about xander because because the preceding scene then is her getting dressed right yeah yeah and that yes and her getting dressed with xander and willow and willow's being like this looks cute this is this is nice and then xander telling her to wear like a snow jacket and a Giant hat,
0: right? I also like the energy that they're like. Xander has to be here to help Buffy get dressed, but also Xander, don't look. Yeah, like why is why Xander here? Why Why did she need a a full panel to help her get dressed? Why is Xander here?
1: Well, and it's such a and it's such a weird conflict that goes nowhere because Xander has basically nothing to do with this episode except for just kind of being there, and they needed to have him there. Also, it's so weird seeing his masculinity or his emasculinization, is that even a word? Like, when the attempt to emasculate, I'm losing, I'm having a stroke, it's okay. The attempts to, uh, like, kind of make fun, or poke fun at Xander, by being like, Xander's gonna tell Buffy what to wear, and it's gonna be, like, a big bunch of clothes, that are non-sexual, because he wants to be sexual with her, as opposed to letting it be with someone else, which is, interesting, but, I feel like it doesn't, go anywhere no and just like he has this obsession with her that they kind of poke and make fun of but the resolution at the end of it isn't i need to let go of this person and move on because he's kind of obsessed with buffy for the rest of the series yeah and like there's times where like like, you're my best friend or you're my closest friends or something like that and he's like always part of the gang but they don't quite know what to do with it they just know it's funny that xander's a beta yeah. Right. Yeah, um, I
0: also hate the just like footage in the bedroom scene where Buffy and Willow are Getting her dressed because she needs help and handmaidens for that. Xander's told to look away, don't look, Mm. and he's like, okay, and he like has her little like jewelry box mirror, and he's trying to adjust so he can like, can can I see see boobs from this angle?
1: (laughs) I feel
0: like Xander's entire series trajectory is just, I want to see some boobs.
1: He wants to see some boobs. He wants. That's all he wants. I mean, like the the whole first season, Xander's shtick of like, you know, the she mantis of just like, can Xander get it in and the horrors of Xander trying to get it in and how, Oh no, it's a demon. (laughs) Oh no, not again. (laughs) Which is just like a weird thing to say about female sexuality and a weird thing to say about his sexuality. Like I feel like it's, it feels like incel commentary and that, but it, but there's no follow through.
0: No, they just let him linger and it's, it's deeply upsetting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they're getting dressed, Owen shows up, but Giles also is there, and he's like, we have to go to the Sunnydale funeral home, and she's like, I got stuff to do, beep me, Mm. (laughs) is the actual phrase, because patrons Oh, oh,
1: yeah, or it's um, um, when he's like, uh, yeah, we have to go to the place with the stuff, and then she's, bite me, is her, is her, like, like, (sighs) like,
0: so late 90s, it's just
1: like, it's so late 90s, but such a good little pun, such a good little pun. It's outstanding. There's a couple little there's a couple little good lines in this one that are very like campy silliness.
0: Right. Exactly. It's pretty awful. Um, the scene goes on longer than it needs to. I also like that she describes this date as her maiden voyage, which is so upsetting.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. But also I'd like to take a uh, moment to address Willow's beaded collar that she wore in this scene. Mm. It looked like maybe she made, like, she and Xander made friendship necklaces at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it was very sweet. It's very Willow's sweet. Willow's very childish clothing that they put her in. It's weird and upsetting and kind of, like, infantilizing, but also endearing. It is-
1: Willow is a Willow's characterization by her clothing, especially in the early seasons, is really peculiar because it feels yes. like they really want her to be the non-threatening, like, child that is Buffy's little sister that kind of tags along and helps she's always wearing dungarees and yes she's got, got, got her pigtails and her big bowl and her big uh bucket, bucket cap hat. and Which, why have those she always, she's back. always trying to look like and it's weird because I feel like that obviously has had influence on a queer generation now. Like you can see yeah. how much we love to dress like children because we everybody dresses be
0: like Willow specifically
1: now. Mm-hmm. Everyone likes to dress like Willow's fashion right now. It's like everyone who sees just like, oh, my God, Willow looks so great. But it's an interesting choice to think about, like, why do they have her be that way? It's like to make her yeah. like so innocent and like so emph- emphatically just like Willow, the awkward quiet slow talking person who dresses like a child then gets some weird magical powers later which is an interesting discussion but and different but like at the time mm-hmm. is like so just like d de- um it doesn't feel i feel like, i don't feel like you touched on it but it's like it doesn't feel like there's agency in that choice it feels like no yeah it's not it doesn't feel like willow is being unabashedly herself and it always kind of feels like she's compromised in this state and feels stuck somehow
0: exactly it's unsettling but we um, uh, buffy gets her way she goes on her date they're at the bronze they're hanging out they're in this hot sexy club which the bronze is such a confusing place i
1: gotta say sorry this is a total tangent i wish more places like the bronze existed now
0: yes we're like i both As someone who grew up in, like, small towns in the interior of BC, I believe that this exists, but I also don't believe that this exists. The
1: closest I have found in Vancouver is Café de Soleil, which features both a cafe where you can buy child-friendly drinks and also Mm -hmm. beer, and you can do performances there. But it's not the, like, you couldn't really do a rock show at Café de Soleil. You can do a drag show very well, but you can't get the the rolling, like... (laughs) the amount of rock bands that come through that show and come through the bronze specifically. And it also isn't as much of a like, let's go hang out. It's like, we'll get dinner there, I guess, as opposed to the bronze, which is like, that's just where all the kids go these days, I guess.
0: Exactly. I think Cordelia makes some comment earlier in the episode about like, we're all going to go loiter at the bronze. Like, what is loiter this business at the business bronze. Plan? <laughs> it's outstanding. It's such a weird space and I love it. And I love that nothing exists like it. So I can be like, what if... But they're on their date and they're at this like hot, sexy club. Everyone's dancing, everyone's having a good time, and they're—he's talking to her about Emily Dickinson and how she's so morbid, and he loves that. Yeah,
1: love that for you,
0: right? We get like the first little snippets that Owen is a danger chaser. Yeah,
1: an adrenaline junkie. That was an interesting, uh, interesting little uh, little plant for the future reveal of that.
0: Yes, which they like actually and uh, engaged in some subtlety with that one but they're like we're just gonna slip this in if like the sensitive guy actually just likes death and danger mm-hmm. which makes a lot more sense um and then continues to neg her and he's like most girls you're like they're pretty frivolous so, like i don't know you're kind of cool you're, <laughs> you're not like other cool. girls <laughs> you're all right you're not, you're not like, like other girls, girls buffy and he's uh, she kind of like freezes and he's like did I say something wrong and I just yelled at my TV yes yes,
1: obviously you yes. said
0: everything wrong you're so awful I've also just written god they're awful because they're on this terrible date where if I think if I saw the date happening I would be listening to it to roll my eyes it's so uncomfortable just, what uh, Cordelia looks am- <laughs> right Cordelia looks amazing she's got this crimped hair oh situation. yeah her little
1: crimped hair that she just shows up at the bronze with
0: yeah and she's like offended by the fact that Buffy's on a date. And she's like, have you ever seen such a display? And then she's like, what if I grind it up on Angel? Like, it's awful. I've also just written in here, Cordelia, aim higher.
1: Yes. Oh, there's a great line that she has. I wrote it down. I think that's very, very good. Um, what is it? That boy is going to need some serious oxygen when I'm oh, through yeah, with She's him. like,
0: Call 911. <laughs> And I'm like, spoiler alert: he doesn't need he, oxygen. Which, yeah, that is a great, that is a <laughs> great
1: pun in like a great little foreshadowing. But also, like, like the concept of face sucking is. <laughs> right. If Nick, if Nick went went for uh, Giles gets it wet, then I'm ah! gonna get, I'm gonna for, for that boy needs some oxygen because I'm gonna suck the life out of him through his face.
0: <laughs> and then there's me for the entire day just going. Ugh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> terrible and we got to our sweet idiot giles who decides to drive up in his tiny little british car to the funeral home by himself with a cross Like,
1: yeah i guess i'll just do this i suppose
0: right and immediately is accosted by two vampires i'm like what did you think was going to happen you knew tonight was the night mm. drag your child bride out to the funeral home and make her fight for you is awful so he's immediately in danger he's got a cross which apparently Did the trick to keep him safe but then he like runs into a room to barricade himself and somehow that's where they overtake him like you're in a confined space and you have a cross how is that not enough to keep you safe until someone comes to find you or the sun goes up Um, uh, Willow and Xander are like we should probably help Giles so they go and they find him trapped in like maybe the crematorium or maybe the morgue I'm not sure what the space is supposed to be I think
1: it's supposed to be a a combination vague idea funeral home crematorium slash morgue I'm at the I'm at the funeral home. I'm at the crematorium. I'm at the combination funeral home crematorium. Um <laughs> And then he hides in the freezer. With some with some really great actually again another moment of weird subtlety of just like very campy filming where it, like pans and then you see the bars that were previously like just perfectly rigid now like bent and out of the yeah, way. Yeah, like
0: shit went down. And it down. slowly
1: pans over as Buffy is going through it and then Giles bursts out of the freezer. Yes!
0: giles with the comedic timing so yeah willow and xander find giles trapped in the funeral home and they're like well we're gonna leave you here and go find buffy so they go back to the bronzer i'm like how close is everything in this town because <laughs> they seem to be able just run exactly or did they drive like right i'm like i don't think either of those have a, either of those two have a license Certainly not but a they, car uh giles they're like giles where's buffy and He's. she's like she's got that beeping thing
1: that beeping thing. Is what
0: he described his data mm. her date as. So we cut back to the bronze scissors where we get the uncomfortable Cordelia, Cordelia oxygen, oxygen huh, time, where she also looks at Angel and goes, mm, salty goodness.
1: Ram. <laughs> it's awful. Well, what is salty about I know what's salty about him. We right.
0: Salty. Cordelia. Mm. You're too young for that. Go touch some grass. Um But there's just a brood off between Angel and Owen.
1: Yeah, and, and I do love that, like the, this kind of moment of like the two, I love when the sensitive boys butt heads.
0: Right? Owen tries to engage and he's like, how do you know Buffy? And he just goes, work. work. <laughs> <laughs> also, work? is Angel wearing a silk blazer in this scene?
1: I couldn't tell. It's like, it's he's always wearing some sort of collared jacket that is a, a like a textured fabric it's either got yep. like the glossy leather or it's like the silk kind of almost a velour ish yes or like it had an
0: blazer. amount of shimmer to it where i'm like is that just a silk blazer that he got from le chateau yeah he's a fancy
1: bitch he shops at so. le chateau he would he would though <laughs>
0: um willow and xander show up in record time and they're like hey we thought we'd make this a double date you know it would be cool if we went to the sunnydale funeral great
1: foreshadowing and like a weird moment again because like willow has to be so desexualized and dressed like a child that she couldn't possibly be interested in xander or like have uh, any kind of agency of her own so like yeah isn't it funny that we would date
0: right who's touching not her Mm. it's fine um But they're like, funeral home, sounds great. Owen is horny for the funeral home. He really is. He's like, oh my God, I've always wanted to go there. Let's go. Um, Buffy's like, you can't come with us and just kisses him and then leaves. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bold, weird move. That was not the vibe, but okay.
1: Buffy kisses Owen and then they go to the funeral home together with Owen very excited. To go to said funeral home.
0: Yeah, they tell Owen that he can't come. And then again, my question of like, how close is everything in this town where they get there? They just stroll in because also, why is this closed funeral home unlocked? Yeah. And Owen's already in there. Owen is the jump scare where
1: he's like, hey guys. And we're like, how did you get here before yeah. that? How did you get in here without us noticing? Also, did you just, you just followed them or went a different route? It's, a, it's an interesting choice.
0: Right. It's quite. It's quite curious but he's like we're going to see a dead body like what are we going to do I've always wanted to come here and it's awful um deeply uncomfortable so mm-hmm. like they find the observation room and she's like stay here if you hear anybody coming like I don't know a security guard a security definitely not a vampire guard, yes <laughs> just be quiet and also barricade the door so like they barricade the door with pillows
1: <laughs> with you yeah, with pillows and cushions like, just in case
0: <laughs> right, i'm like what what good do you think this is gonna do yeah. um owen finds a dead body and he's so excited his response is oh my oh
1: my yeah the curtain reveal and he's never seen a dead body before right Aren't they supposed but, to move
0: right and i'm like that body's about to be alive and then we cut to the evangelical evangelical vampire, vampire. Can I
1: can I reveal my trashiness here? Please. This is this is really basic gay. Um I shouldn't. Oh no. Uh Evangelical vampire was is a hot evangelical vampire. It's something oh, yeah. about it's something about he wants to murder me. He has atrociously <laughs> bad tattoos. <laughs> and he's just like just buff enough that I'm like, yeah, you can get it. You can get it. I'm right. not happy about it. It's not a good evening. And when it's over, I go home and have a shower. But I'm like, I'm glad I did it.
0: It's good to know who you are. It's also completed with him headbutting the glass divider in the
1: observation. Oh yeah, he, he just bam. We're like, Burst if that's not a come hither, tell all me all those what's not. Out of the door, right? And they're away. like, oh
0: no, our very strong pillow barricade. <laughs> um, he finds Buffy. They get into a scuffle. He like throws her against so many metal surfaces. I'm like, what are Buffy's bones made out yeah, of? Yeah, and
1: then he takes an urn full of ashes. Mm-hmm. And then oh, is, and Owen takes the urn. Was oh, Owen full of, of ashes? Yeah, and, and, then, and then he there. Owen takes the urn full of ashes, then cracks it on his head.
0: Yeah, which that stuns him for a minute. I guess he tries to bite him in the process. Also, Owen's that's like, he tries- like that's a person.
1: Like that's that's a human. <laughs> well, not really a human, but like that is someone's he grandma. Know that it's not yeah.
0: right. Um owen is like are you okay you tried to bite me what a sissy
1: (laughs) yeah that line was the weirdest throw out of just like interesting in like it's like one of those like anachronistic what the sure the the 90s like okay sure
0: then it's met with an even better follow-up line of vampire rises and like hits owen's head into something and just goes dead dead yeah he just (laughs) says the word dead
1: there's like no reason to think that he's dead and no, right. like we have seen people die. There's no reason to think that he's actually dead, but he just says is dead, and that's no. what motivates Buffy to kill him.
0: Oh, she goes she goes buff wild
1: she goes, she's hey sure,
0: that's the name of this podcast. title
1: drop wow she goes buff wild beats the hell out of him yeah all
0: just screaming you killed my day
1: conveniently turns on oh giles in the scuffle conveniently turns on the crematorium yes and then which is a great silly plant and then they throw him into the fiery furnace
0: right die. i like the tiny detail that the creepy evangelical preacher vampire dies in hell flame. yes that's a nice it's, that's a nice little it's very good yeah, it's... um but unfortunately owen is not dead no he's not he he's is alive, awake but... and he's asking if anybody has an aspirin or maybe 60 of them he's despite his horny for danger is like mm, i'm not happy yes, about how this yes, went yes. because
1: i wasn't in control of the danger it's a weird bait and switch where they have like him being like no I don't want to spend time with you Buffy I'm going to go home and think about this and then the end the next scene is Buffy contemplating oh I guess Owen must hate me but then the reveal is that Owen is actually an adrenaline junkie who's super hyped for that and he's like let's do more of that
0: Right. so yeah the next day it's all good it's all gravy he's like hey that was really fun let's do it again sometime like what do you want to do should we go to a bar and pick a fight like what are we up to let's get weird and Buffy's just horny for normalcy, and she's like, let's be friends, but I'm also going to keep your pocket watch until the end of my days. Yeah, never, never return the <laughs> pocket watch.
1: <laughs> just completely forget about it.
0: Oh, yes. Um. So she's sad. She's like, I just want a boy to touch <sighs> for my own and to have some normal teenage time, which is like, it's presented as like frivolous and Buffy being dumb. But I'm like, that's fair. She's 16. She just wants to do 16 year old stuff. Giles actually empathizes he was like I was 10 when my father told me I would be a watcher I wanted to be a fighter pilot or a grocer which is
1: a detail that I'd forgotten like I the watchers council is weird to me because I'd forgotten the or I didn't remember that Giles also was you know prophesied and or forced into a role from a young age that he flourishes in and does well. But Mm -hmm. after he rebels and has his own time, and he's very rebellious, he's very rebellious. His hot ripper days, his his ripper era, right, um, where he gets a lot of people, he gets a lot of wetness going. But and it's and it's an interesting sweet moment, and I think it again summarizes the conflict for Buffy for the majority of the at least certainly the first half of the series, which is want to be normal, need to be the need to be savior
0: yeah they have a sweet moment where he's like you're pretty good at this and she's like thanks giles and then we cut to
1: the 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 plasticine castle with the reveal that the anointed was actually this fucking damien looking motherfucker
0: (laughs) right i i've just written here be like "Ooh, no anointed one because of the vampire prank it's the kid from the Spoiler, bus.
1: Spoiler, it's the child. The pointedly <gasps> planted child that later you're like, also, that kid was with a woman? Who was the woman? Who was the lady? And she like clearly tries to protect him and like check on right? him after the, during the bus and like, are you okay? Is everything all right? And it's supposed to be like, but then she's just gone. She's just dead. We don't see her as a vampire later or anything. No. So who was that? Who is the lady? I want answers. I don't want answers. It actually doesn't matter.
0: All right. Uh, she seemed like she had an amount of will. Where they like maybe they bit her and she was like not biting you back. No, thanks, yeah, I don't want your blood. Something.
1: Anyway, then the anointed was revealed to be this schmo, this kid.
0: Right, this kid who's quite unremarkable and just has no facial expression. And
1: uh, and, and throughout the entire the rest of the series and the weird throwback at the beginning of season two, we don't know who the hell he is or what he wants. No,
0: we get very little from the anointed yeah. one. What. An- What a bizarre episode this was! Yeah,
1: very bizarre. It's it's neat how much it like it does tap in and like summarize larger problems throughout the entire or conflicts rather throughout the entire series, but and it's kind of refreshing to watch it because you're just like, oh, this is just like Buffy being like, boys, slayage, boys, slayage, (laughs) boys, slayage. Oh, I can't decide. Yeah, Yeah. She just wants to be a normal girl,
0: like. It's fair. Oh, there's a point on her date where he's like, Are you having fun or something? And she's like, I feel like a girl. That was I
1: yeah, that it was both a weird line but also me. very sad. And like I mean Buffy clearly has some the show, Buffy rather, has some things to say about gender and has some mm-hmm. things to say about womanhood, um, and also the expectations of womanhood and the slayer role as like it is always a girl. Um and that line of I feel like a girl is a really interesting one because it kind of summarizes how being a slayer almost degenders her. Because like the yeah. whole crux of being a slayer is this like underneath the girlhood is this like masculine strength that she's imbued, as you find out later, by three men are gifted, gifted to her. And it's cool how the series in general deconstructs and pulls apart the idea of a chosen one and womanhood and relationship to that and what that means at the end, the very end of the series where she gives her power away to everyone, Mm -hmm. which is a really, really neat statement in like upon reflection. But that line in particular of just it made me feel like a girl is like, oh, like, which is like you can argue what this is about, whether this is a good thing, but like a central part of her experience of her womanhood and her girlhood is the ability to be to get down, to have Mm -hmm. boys in her life and have a normal life. And it's neat how like it like very blatantly states, Oh, being a slayer has taken her away from her gender and from her experience.
0: Right? Where like we talked about the really uncomfortable just body dysmorphia comments at the beginning of the episode, but I almost wonder if that's their weird way of trying her as a character trying to like throw herself into what she sees as normal teenage stuff. Yeah if she's like girls worry about their bodies because we're told we can't have them what if i also worry about my body and just like they like almost like an ai teenager mm.
1: you know uh, yeah i would agree with that summary like like her it's needing her, and also like the contradictions of like making fun of fat people are not wanting to be fat and then being at the bronze and requesting the most fattening thing from yeah. snack from owen
0: Right. Or also just like the less problematic parts of it of like her needing two friends to help her get dressed because she's like, I just, I need help with my girl stuff because I'm a girl. Please let me have this. Well, and also
1: like, I I mean, it feels very like boys idea of what girlhood is. And again, I can't, I can't speak to that from personal experience, (laughs) but, but this kind of idea of like, oh yeah, like you get excited about boys. So you like, have a ritual where you spend time with your friends and think about that and like willow is such and like in her relationship to buffy's girlhood in terms of Mm -hmm. them as like normal teenagers willow's just supportive she's just like you got to get on a date with owen she isn't like jealous or conniving she's just excited for her it's like that's so cool that's awesome good for you Mm -hmm. and which is like you can read different meanings into that you can read willow you can read willow's future lesbianism because by erasure Mm because you know Oz doesn't count for some reason in the language of the future episodes um or you can read into it as in like willow they want to desexualize her and so she's more ace so she doesn't really have a an interest in there so it wouldn't be present so she could just be excited for her but i really like like that like their relationship is based on just like mutual excitement for that's so cool you get to do that and awesome and good for you wow
0: right for as much as they portray some very harmful inappropriate like stereotypical tropes of what it is to be a teenage girl in the show the friendship between buffy and willow is just very sweet and very like it's wholesome it's healthy they just support each other yeah. for the most part it's it's very good it's very, like very good. of buffy's romantic relationships none of them really are like 100 percent. i root for this but it's her platonic relationships with the people around her who actually care about her that you are like oh yeah these are this is what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like
1: just really good friendships. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I find Buffy's, I don't know, uh, her characterization is like someone who has immense amounts of power and immense, like, um, like the, all the reasons to kind of just think about herself and how the show slowly teaches her or her lessons are to divest from that. To be mm-hmm. like I don't want to be a chosen one. I want to be a regular teenage person. I want to divest myself from this power that I've been kind of struggled with in this like boys dates versus duty kind of conflict. And yeah, it's neat to watch the show slowly divest from that. And you see like the more important things are the relationships that she has where it's very equal level footing.
0: Exactly that.
1: It's interesting to watch. Overall, how'd you feel about this episode? That was pretty good. It was a good old campy mess. Good time, you know. A <laughs> uh, lot of a uh, lot of a uh, less than shiny moments, but um, it's a pretty good one. It's pretty fun. It's not a, it's not the it's not one of the atrocious ones that you roll your eyes at or go. Ugh. It's not the Thanksgiving <laughs> episode, and it's not the oh swimming my pool God. episode. Um, but it's pretty good. It's a pretty good one. It's got some good. things to say.
0: Excellent. I like. Both, I'm like, yeah, this was fairly non-offensive considering the the really, really outlandish episodes we get, and yet, I think I prefer the uh, the more outlandish moments to this one. So I'm like, this was just like, it was an important episode because it sets up a lot of ongoing conflict, but like, I don't know, it's not
1: super compelling.
0: I give this three and a half evangelical vampires out of ten. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hot evangelical vampire hot evangelical vampire evangelical vampire who is vaguely threatening but again the least interesting the least interesting villains in buffy the vampire slayer are the vampires consistently they really undermine them they have to like give them special things in order to make them threatening otherwise they're just like sure it's a vampire he's spouting something about jesus i guess must be scary
0: yeah yeah what a what an episode this was um, thank you for joining us for Thank this. you for having
1: me and listening to me rant about Buffy and gender.
0: <laughs> Any time, recorded or not. Um, if people want to find you on the internets and get into what you're up to where should they find sure
1: you, you can listen to uh my buffy related single that i released back <gasps> at the beginning of 2020 uh called yes! slayer um yes! through my art my uh band camp uh my band is called Subtop. it is a pun on sub pop which is a record company in seattle it's called sub top mm-hmm. the song's called slayer i've also got an album coming out probably before the end of this year depending on when i choose to do that that'll be fine that'll be fun Uh, You can look me up on Bandcamp at subtop.bandcamp.com, or I'm also on Instagram and uh, the spicier versions on the Twitter. Excellent. Also, is subtop? Yes, all subtop. Subtop. Eric.
0: Nice. Eric has the voice of an angel and some magical queer content. So the voice uh, of an angel
1: and the attitude of a spike. It's a Buffy pun.
0: pun. (laughs) Outstanding. And if you want to connect with us on social media, you can go to Instagram or Twitter where we are at Um, You can find little excerpts from the episodes and further discussions, always some fun stuff that pops up through in the week. And if you are like me and you want everything in one place, you can go toward Linktree page, which is linktree slash buffwildpod. And it has all of our social media links everywhere you can listen to episodes if you're not sure which source is best for you. And it also has a link to our Buy Me at Coffee, so if you feel compelled, you can donate. Um, but if you'd like to support us emotionally, which we also love, you can send us an email at buffwildpod at gmail.com and just let us know what you think. Do you give this episode a rating of Evangelical Vampires or Buffy's leopard print jacket? Let us know. Um, but yeah. Thank you again. Thanks so much for having
1: me. This is thrilling. This is one of my favorite things to talk about.
0: I'm so glad. My absolute pleasure. Uh, We will see you next week with some more absolute nonsense. Hyenas next week. So uh, stay tuned. (laughs) Have fun with the hyena
1: cult, whatever you got on here. Well,
0: thank you. All right, everyone. See you next week. Bye. Bye.